Hey guys, what's up? G here from The Way Within. This week on this week's podcast, I talked to um, a really interesting guy by the name of Casper van der Meulen. Um, he's out of the Netherlands. He's a close friend of Wim Hof. Um, he's one of the main teachers there. And uh, we, we became friends through the, the Wim Hof uh, certification program where I got to spend a week with him. And he taught me a bunch of stuff that he knows. He's also up to a ton of other incredible stuff. He wrote a book called MindLift. Um, his website's mindlift.com. And today we're going to talk about a bit about his story, how he overcame a bunch of challenges in his life, and uh, a bunch of awesome stuff that he wants to share with you that hopefully you can use to improve your life. So um, this episode with Casper Vandermeulen, sit back, relax, enjoy the podcast, and I'll see you on the other side. Peace. You're ready to wake up, you're going to wake up. And if you're not ready, you're going to stay pretending that you're just a little, poor little me. And uh, since you're all here and engaged in this sort of inquiry and listening to this sort of lecture, I assume that you're all on the process of waking up. And as you wake up, a funny thing starts to happen. You'll start to see the world in a different light. And eventually when you're ready, you'll start to look within. Who are you? This show was created to assist you on your journey. Welcome to The Way Within. Today I have a very special guest. His name is Casper van der Mulen. Did I get that right? Pretty uh, good. From uh, the Netherlands. He is an awesome guy that I got to meet for the first time in LA last May. And um, got to meet him again in Colorado this past uh, November. Uh, was it November? It was November. Yeah. Um, he is, among things, uh, one of the teachers for the Wim Hof Method. But um, he's a lot more than that. He's got an amazing story that he's going to share with us today. Um, and um, a lot of the other things he's working on. So welcome to the show, Casper. Thank you. I'm happy to be here, man. Awesome. So yeah, maybe just start off a little bit about yourself, um, and then we can get into a little bit about your backstory and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So um, right now, it's difficult for me to say, people ask me, what do you do? And then a whole list of things comes up, come up, but it's uh, I'm an author. I just released my my book in English. It's been out in Dutch for a while, my native language. A book called Mindlift, and um, I work for the Wim. Well, I teach the Wim Hof method. I'm kind of like the resident science teacher for the Wim Hof method, and the head teacher of the academy. And I basically teach people to be as awesomely human as humans can be. That that's what it's about. And I learned about all of this stuff pretty early on in my life through all kinds of different struggles and going on kind of like a, uh, a search that was born in necessity to get my mind. Well, I used to think to get my mind under control. Now I know that it's not about control, but you know, to, to understand how my mind works and to learn different practices to, uh, to increase the quality of life. And I used to work as a science teacher. Uh, so it all kind of very fluently went into this new, uh, business that I have where I teach people about these different topics from from a very much a, a Western science-based way of speaking and then I lure them into all the <laughs> spiritual stuff basically. Yeah, I think I think it's important to have that science component because a lot of these spiritual mystical stuff, a lot of people try to discredit it because they say it's like this woo-woo, you know, there's no real science behind it, but really the science has been there for thousands of years. We're now yeah. just catching up and being able to explain what's going on. 
right? Yeah, it's all about finding the vocabulary that will help people grasp it, not just on a cognitive level, but also uh, finding the right language for people to have that correct link with them, because it's it's very easy to freak people out once you start speaking about meditation or breath. or And I noticed where I live, I still have to convince people of the entire concept of personal improvement and, and spirituality and with meditation and breath practice. And But when, when I was in LA for the first time, I was like, oh, people just, they kind of dig it here. That's cool. You know, so it also depends on where you work. So yeah, Casper, for, for some of the listeners out there, maybe you want to just give a little bit of your backstory, where you were, what your childhood might have been like, and what led up to these big changes that you made, or um, they might have been small changes. Just you want, you want to start touching on that a bit? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that um, was a struggle in my life is uh, finding, well, you know, I, I, I had a hard time agreeing with life in general. So as a, when I was very young, I was... Uh, like when I was nine or ten or something, you know, regular school bullshit of like kids being mean and me not understanding, being sensitive, having a very active creative brain, not being able to have an outlet in my school to to be creative and active. You know, the the whole <laughs> I'm going to be bashing the school system a lot <laughs> now. But, you know, I've been a teacher for 10 years and I know that you can teach kids perfectly without having them sit down and shut up and. Uh, not feeling free to express. And um, then I came into a period a bit later where I had some stuff going on in my life. A good friend of mine committed suicide. Uh, I was faced with some de- aggression and depression in my direct uh, social and family life. And I kind of just copped out and uh, I was like, nope, I'm not doing this anymore. And I started smoking way too much weed at a way too young age. And um, it just found that escaping reality was the best thing for me. And I used to be a very like, high-level basketball player, and I got injured in the same period, and I couldn't have my expression in basketball anymore. And I was like, you know what? Weed is pretty available in the Netherlands. Let's try that. And, um, well, it wasn't that much of a conscious decision. I just spent a few years not being sober and having a very hard time uh, with life. I didn't go to school, and I felt depressed and hung out with the wrong crowd. This is like a very brief summary of all of that. And, but there's one story that I usually share from that period. Um, interestingly, two years ago, I wasn't comfortable sharing that story. And I'm still not comfortable, but now it ended up being the first story I tell in the first part of my book, actually, uh, which is interesting. So telling stories and and, um, and understanding how people can be influenced by my story has helped me to understand that I should get over the discomfort and just, you know, Every time I do a podcast and I tell stories, people get in touch with me and they they go like, oh, man, your, your story really, really resonated at a time that I needed it. And then I go, oh, all right, yeah, that's what I'm doing, right? So anyway, there was a, a time in, uh, after about three or four years of not being sober, I was like 16 at the time, being in trouble, all of that. And I just went full cold turkey on everything that I was doing, drinking, smoking. I went Actually, I went full straight edge. I didn't even take caffeine or anything no meat i went fully vegan and everything i was just i I don't want anything going into me anymore that i might not agree with and um turns out so if you're very active and creative and then you suppress that for a few years with anything you can find and then suddenly you have that brain wake up again it just basically goes (laughs) i had this very intense period right after i i i went fully sober where I basically couldn't function at all. And I was having anxiety attacks and 
I was like, man, this is bad. I, I should go back to school, but I couldn't. And then one day I felt a bit better. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to go to school and we'll see how it goes. And I stepped out of my house into my backyard. And the second I got to my bike ready to go, I had the most massive panic attack ever. Like my heart was pounding and my breath was out of control and my stomach turned and, you know, all of it. And then I was like, man, I can't do this. And I took a step back to the house and it went away. And then I was like, oh, I might be fine. So I'll go to school. And then, bam, everything turned on again. And then I had a moment of clarity to watch myself in that moment where I go, hold on. I'm in my own backyard. I'm safe. There's no direct danger. Everything's okay. Uh, basically, the safest place on the planet for me, my own backyard. But I think about going to school. And my physiology changes. And then I think about not going to school and my physiology changes back. And that moment of clarity made me think like, okay, so what if that reaction that I'm having, so I have a mental intention and then a physiological and psychological reaction that is just out of control. But then my mental intention changes and my physiology changes and the way I feel change and everything. And I was like, what if that's something that doesn't happen to me? What if it's something that I'm doing? And if I'm doing it, it might just be a tool that I can learn how to use. And from that moment on, I decided to kind of ded dedicate my life to learning about what is that tool and why does uh, uh, that tiny little change in intention have that much of a difference in the way I feel and the way my physiology works. And I always used to be a bit of a science nerd. Uh, when my friends were going into worse and worse situations, doing hard drugs and everything, uh, I found that I, I felt that I might be able to convince them if I would explain that to them scientifically <laughs> what would go wrong in their brain if they would do that, which obviously, like, I started explaining to them about, like, neurotransmitters and like, um, and dopamine receptors, and I told them, like, you can't do that, and they were like, oh, really, man, it's really interesting, oh, I don't care at all, but it taught me a lot, and so I already knew that the physiological reaction I was having was I, I knew how it worked on a certain level. Like I was 15, 16, I didn't really know how everything worked, but I had an idea and I was like, man, that's really interesting. So me thinking about school creates that physiological reaction and me thinking about staying home um, basically stops it. And that's when I started diving into the science of the nervous system and I found meditation uh, to be a very good tool to use. I started getting into martial arts, getting stuff under control, but that's like, yeah, a very short version of, of some of the struggles I had and the way that it turned me on to this path of finding out these tools and trying to master them. And now, you know, when I get out of an ice bath or when I'm ready to get into an ice bath, that's basically what I'm doing. I'm, I'm breathing myself into the exact same physiology, uh, physiology of the panic attack I had back then. And that panic attack was one of the worst experiences of my life. And now when I consciously turn on that panic attack because I want it, it's one of the most awesome experiences in my life. And that's just something that makes me go, fuck yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing sometimes how like the most difficult times, once you really understand um, what's going on, you realize, you know, that that happened to me for a reason. You know, I needed that to happen to give me this new understanding. Because if I didn't have that intensive an experience, it may never have affected me the way that it did, right? Yeah. A lot of people yeah, who have absolutely. these on a regular basis, they, um, 
maybe they're not fortunate enough to be able to step back and say, oh, wait a minute, you know, how can I use this to my advantage? Or what's, what am I, what am I learning from this difficult experience? You know, um, yeah. which is what uh, I try to, 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 to stress to people, you know, if there's something really, really difficult going on in your life, try to take a step back and see how can you grow or learn from it um, to make yourself a better person or to use it to uh, make changes in your life. Um, so I think it's yeah. a great story, amazing story. And I think also that, that it's very important for people to understand that you don't get this, like, we have an, this very romantic idea of personal improvement where you have a big epiphany and then it's just like training montage and epic music plays and you're running up and down the stairs and you're climbing the mountain and all of that, but that's total bullshit, you know, at least for me. You know, I had, I was actually, just prior to that, I was diagnosed with a fear disorder, you know, anxiety disorder. So. Um, and I, I, you know, I've been diagnosed with lots of stuff and luckily my mom was always like, nah, fuck your diagnosis. We'll figure it out. You know? So that was good. Um, which isn't always the right way, but in, in our case, it was definitely the, the way to, to not like sit with the diagnosis. But, um, so I had a ton of panic attacks, but it's just, that one was one of the heaviest and like it pushed me through that little hole where I had to do something and that's when I had the moment of clarity. And then, you know, uh, it's, it's not like uh, I was 16 back then and I, I I stayed like smoking and drinking and being overweight until I was like 24, 25, which is only like five years ago until I really got a grasp. But it put me on the right on that on that track. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a gradual progression in my own case as well. But it's just constant. Uh, once you start being aware you start picking up on other things and you start noticing and then there comes a point yeah. like, okay, now I got to really make some changes um, when you feel pushed. So what, what happened at 24? Was there a specific thing that happened or was it just you felt like you could take it to the next level? Uh, well, I had another another period of deep mental distress, basically. <laughs> so every, every time I have this very, there's a few moments that I now, I al- almost describe it also in my book and everything and in interviews as like a heroic moment, but it was the worst times of my life, basically. <laughs> uh, so after that that um, period of mental distress, when I was like 15, 16, uh, a few awesome things happened. I discovered music um, in a way that the first thing I did is I just picked up a drum, an African drum that I wanted to buy, a djembe, and I just started banging on it um, because I've, I, I felt I needed something to express myself. And I just kind of like spent some hours every day just banging on the drum and it, it made my brain feel so good. It got me into, into a, what I now know to be a flow state. I was like, damn, you know, this, this is good stuff. And then I ended up going to a jam session and after the session I got invited by some pro musicians to come play with them in their band, some African musicians. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> I had no idea. So it turned me on to music. I met the girl who's now my wife. That was a very positive thing that happened. She was in the same kind of social circle, so all of our we kind of actively stepped out of doing drugs and bad stuff and we were together in that. So that's definitely a key, key player, but I still didn't, I couldn't get my, like this just constantly nagging anxiety and anger and like past traumas, just, they kept kind of like erupting. And so I started making rap music. Actually, I had a, a kind of like a career as a rapper for a while, a few years, and I started writing everything into there, and it became a mode of expression. So I had this very strong bond with this amazing woman 
was on the same path and I found music and that was very well. But also the music was kind of like a, a way to keep myself unhealthy because I was like, no, of course I'm drinking on a Tuesday night. You know, I just played a gig and I got to I got to smoke this and drink that. It's my muse. And I, I never smoked weed again. And uh, but but, you know, I always found ways to to um, uh, ridiculous ways to make me feel like I was getting into my zone, you know, play all night video game sessions. I go, no, but I got to get into the fantasy world and feel better and blah, blah, blah. And this is escaping reality. Mm. Um, interestingly, something that I, I, so I always hated teachers and I hated school. Uh, I was a musician. I identified with that. I was feeling fine. And I was like 19. And I got asked to do some workshops for a uh, for a school, and I so I went in and I taught these kids how to play drums. We wrote some raps together, and I was like, "Oh, this is this makes me feel really good. That's that's really interesting." So I started teaching more and more of those workshops, and uh, by the time my mind was was okay and I'd been going back to school, I was like, "Oh, I remember. I always wanted to be a scientist. I always wanted to be a biologist." So I had like those two things going on weirdly, but I couldn't go to university because I fucked up my school time. And so I had to do this internship in order as a biology teacher. So it's how the Dutch education system works. You can do like a, a teacher internship in the field of biology. And then after that, I might be able to go to university. And I did the music next to that. But I had some teaching experience as a musician. And one other pivotal moment. And this guy always nags me when I don't mention his name. So his name was Eric. <laughs> He's one of the only people in the world that I, that I consist, consider a mentor. And I was like, fuck school, I'm never going to be a teacher. And they were like, man, if you want to study biology, you have to do this one internship in the field of biology, and we can enter you. And I was like, man, I'm not going to be a teacher. So I walked into the school, like, I'll get the coffee, I'll copy the worksheets, but I'm not going to be a teacher. Like, those are the bad guys. And I walked into the school, and this guy, Eric, he looks at me, and he goes, ah, right, I think you might be a teacher. And I was like, no, 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 man. And he just literally he opens a door, and he points, and he goes, teach. I'm like, what the fuck? And there's 30 kids in there. And I'm like, really? And he's like, go ahead and teach, man. And he hands me this worksheet, which is physics, which I was bad at when I had to do my exams. And I walked into the classroom and I was like, well, fuck, if he's not taking it seriously, I'm just going to have fun. So I started making some bad jokes and just asking these kids how they were and who they were and just having fun. And then an hour later, he walks back into the classroom. These kids are having fun. They're doing their, their work. I'm standing there like telling stories and he looks at me and he goes like, ah, told you you're a teacher. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I never felt that good. you know. And, and then they offered me a job and I was like, really? I'm just some guy off the street. Like these kids can go on YouTube and watch me cuss out other rappers and say like bad stuff. And, you know, you know, you don't know who I am. Do you really want me to be a teacher? Yeah, you're talented and you're innovative. I was like, innovative. Well, okay. And, um, so I was like, if they don't take it seriously, I'll just see what I can do before they fire me, basically, you know. So I started just doing the weirdest experiments and have the kids, like, stand on the tables, like, freedom writers type of stuff, you know. And, and you know, we'd throw the school books out and we'd, we'd make it into, like, an experiment in gravity, you know, stuff like that. Making up excuses to do weird stuff. And we had, like, these inside rules of, like, if the principal comes, we have, oh, everybody sits down and shuts up and we're all act busy and stuff like that. <laughs> And then, apparently... Sounds like a fun class. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> apparently, having fun, and also this guy, Eric, obviously, he, he allowed me to do that stuff because he felt like, like we were onto something together. We almost we were like an evil evil duo of guys trying to kind of fuck the school system. Trailblazing, a new path, yeah. Yeah, and here's the thing. Like, 
um, these parents started sending emails to the principal and they went, wow, my kids' grades have gone up and they enjoy school and they're coming home with a smile. And they have all these stories about this amazing teacher. Like, who is this guy? <laughs> and then, like, the school board came to me and they're like, oh, you're so innovative. And I was like, innovative? Really? <laughs> like, yeah, all these creative things. And I was like, well, I literally just walk in and, and you know, I give them compliments and I ask them what they want to learn. And then I make a bunch of like horrible puns and some fun jokes and, and we go on an adventure together. And if that's innovation, I can do innovation. So um, interestingly, accidentally, I, I got like promotions and all this cool stuff happened in the school system that I could do. And I started lecturing teachers. Uh, so that was a very cool period, but it was burning me out massively because I didn't take it seriously. And then suddenly these kids would come to me with their questions and with their life stories and with their struggles. And I didn't understand why they would come to me. And another thing that happened is I would speak to a group of kids that I didn't really know for an hour. Like I would speak to them. And then afterwards, all this information started popping up in my conscious mind about who these kids were. And for some reason, I would know who was the girl who was bulimic? I would know who was the kid who was getting beat up by his father. I, I would know who was insecure and who was getting bullied. And I was like, what's going on? You know, something is very weird. Like, I have all these information about them. And then eventually they would come up and tell their stories and their struggles. And I was like, fuck, I knew this. How do I know this stuff? Like, and I, that just, you know, I felt such a giant load where I felt like suddenly I was on a mission to change the school system. Suddenly I had all these life stories and these kids that I was supposed to help, but I was still overweight and smoking and like drinking four days out of the weekend. Cause I made, I had four day weekends cause I was a musician and I had lived the rock star lifestyle and all of that. And I was like, these kids are looking up to me and suddenly I'm doing like good work, but I'm, I'm just a worthless like douchebag musician trying to make it. And uh, I was making promotions, having too much work, and I just totally burned out. Nothing made sense anymore because my self-image didn't fit with uh, all of the stuff that was happening in working in education. I was suddenly a science teacher, even though I was bad at science. You know, I don't have my life together, but I'm helping these kids get their life together. You know, what's going on? And that just totally burned me out. And I was 24, 25, 80 pounds overweight, heavily smoking. I was getting massive anxiety attacks again, heart palpitations. Like I actually had a heart arrhythmia problem. My back hurt. My I had heavy migraines, shoulder injury. You know, bad sleep. The works, and it just burnt me out. And I was depressed for a few months, and that's what reminded me of that experience I first had when I was younger. When I when I, I was like, hold on, I was supposed to I was supposed to figure this out, you know, and and I was helping other people by giving them a piece of me and and destroying myself and i was like i've got to fix myself before i can help anybody else so um yeah i was planning to give you the short version <laughs> no it's great i love it i love it no it's a great story keep going so that's what um you know i i was just uh pretty pretty broken then and i had, Luckily, I, had, I still had the same awesome woman, um, and I have my mother, who's also been an amazing, amazing support for me. And um, yeah, I went to um, uh, I went into some therapy, hypnotherapy, and now I understand it was basically guided meditation. Um, and he taught me some very simple tools to, well, actually, yeah, well, like like 
practices to learn how to regard my mind as a tool and to and to kind of um, try to take a step back and see how to watch myself get anxious, to watch myself get stressed, to watch myself react or actually not react to emotions, being numb, numbing myself out, escaping reality. And I could just start to watch this this conscious mind that was supposed to be a tool at my command actually be like a big fat monster that was controlling my life based on fears that I had from the past. And I was like, okay, I have a few tools to work with. And he was like, hey, man, maybe, uh, he was like, do you work out? Like, man, are you calling me fat? And he was like, kind of. <laughs> and then he said, you know what? Sound body, sound mind. And I was like, wow, that's pretty powerful. So that kind of became my first mantra. I started running like small uh, distances um, and it hurt. And I started doing like meditations. And I did that for a few months. And I worked through some old emotional stuff with him. And suddenly my whole life just became easier. My quality of life took a giant step forward and because i had been trying to lose weight in all the wrong ways and it never nothing worked i had been trying to stop smoking nothing worked and then i just sat there and meditated for 10 minutes a day and did a few runs every week from the understanding that it was my responsibility and two months later like i dropped weight i i wasn't smoking as much anymore and i felt so much better and then i was like so you can actually just practice this stuff because I got the idea that the mind is supposed to be a tool, but apparently I was the kind of person that couldn't control the tool. And then I just learned some skills and everything in my life improved. I was like, really? You can just practice this stuff? It's that easy? Well, let's do that. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's what what finally got me into the yeah quote-unquote transformation and brought me to where I am now. And so as you started doing these things, you just started making these huge changes, just everything started changing for you? Well, I noticed that it was difficult to stick to things. Um, so I would look at it as I started to regard life as an experiment and anything that I can change and test um, that I can help myself with might be a tool that I can use to help some of these kids with. Um, and that became a mission. So I did an, an ex like I would do an experiment for 30 days. I would cut a certain type of food out of my diet and then I just kind of try to track how I felt and, and see if that was a change worth keeping. And then like I started adding meditation on different times and my life became an experiment and it kind of became a guinea pig for myself. And every time I learned something, I noticed I had a new tool to help somebody else out. Um, yeah. That made it sorry, sorry. You were gonna say no, I was just going to say that made it really worthwhile to see the impact of it right away. Yeah. How important is it um, as it being a teacher? And I find this myself because at first I wanted to help people as well and teach people, but I felt that I didn't have the experience to really teach because I think you could learn stuff from a book, but having the actual experience of doing the meditation, of doing the ice baths, of doing the fasting or the diets, you can really teach from a place of knowing, of wisdom, rather than a conceptual teaching. Um, yeah. Uh, what do you think about that as being a teacher yourself, you know, maybe having yeah. both experiences? How important is it to actually experience the things that you're teaching? Yeah, I think it's pretty important. Well, you don't want to be in your own process as you're teaching. You want to be above it, but you have to have like, – I meet um, – somebody's going to be offended listening to this, but I meet 21-year-old life coaches. And I'm like, which life? <laughs> you know, but, 
I mean, your life, like, and, um, and obviously, you know, people been through things and I would never call myself a life coach because I still feel like I don't know jack shit about anything. And the more I learn, the more I feel like I don't know jack shit about anything. So, exactly. uh, but I do have experiences that I can share with people. So I definitely feel that, um, every single one of my struggles and my stories of the things that I found difficult, I've been able to help to see how me having the struggle and rising above it has allowed me to help somebody else not have as much as a struggle. And I think that's very important to be able to speak from experience, to be able to have uh, a deep understanding. Now, in my work, obviously, and I think like a psychologist, for example, who studies all of these different ways, workings of the mind, so he can help out all these different kinds of people has a different role in the spectrum of work because i never wanted to treat anybody i would always make sure that if anybody comes to me especially these kids because it was like hard stuff you know creative wonderful artist kids that couldn't sit still uh which is fine because they're creative artists but it's inconvenient so we might as well give them ritalin and like give them all these heavy fucking hard drugs uh to make them sit still and then they get depressed and they start cutting themselves and just layer upon layer of misery and they don't speak to anybody about it and then they come to me and i'm like i'm not a psychologist i'm just some guy they gave a job off the street <laughs> yeah but you know i could teach this little meditation trick and it'll help you get some insight and then in the meantime we'll find the best way to help you and then it turned out that the little meditation trick actually helped them out the most which was really cool so for yourself if you were looking for a teacher um not knowing what you know would you rather have the you know phd psychologist or someone who had three nervous breakdowns that was able to overcome it and had the experience to work through that versus a psychologist well, who never had that was always you know the smart kid the achiever and understands the the theory or would you rather have a teacher personally as as uh, as someone to help you um I would consult both. Okay. I just ask a lot of questions, but as a mentor, um, you want somebody that resonates with you and that you understand that, that you can look at this person and go, okay, so obviously they have had similar struggles, but they're just 10 steps along the same path mm -hmm. um, and they're still having the same struggles. But when I speak to doctors or, I, uh, or psychologists, I don't go there to get life advice or for them to treat me. I go there and I interview them on what they know so I can learn. Okay. So for me, uh, health and uh, wellness, mental and physical, spiritual, all sides of it is a skill. And the more I can learn, the better I get at the skill. And that's very different from thinking I have a problem, something happened to me, and now somebody else needs to fix me. So... Um, I find it very important to build relationships with peers that resonate with me in a certain area. And so they're able to mentor me because they really understand me. And then also I just want to have expert opinions from all different sides. Um, that's a good question though. Awesome. Okay, so we got about five, 10 minutes left. Um, I was just wanted to ask you, what is the most powerful tool um, that you have right now in your arsenal that you would share with people that you use for yourself um in your in your process you know what i'm gonna say you know what i'm gonna <laughs> i'm say. setting you up for this one <laughs> yeah you motherfuckers need wim hof no, i think uh, the wim hof method is uh it's the most powerful tool 
so for me, you know, I came from being overweight and smoking all of that, and I started feeling better, meditation, running, it was all powerful, diet, powerful, everything, powerful, powerful, awesome. Came to a point where I felt normal, or I, I was like, okay, I'm doing better. Went to a doctor, the doctor said, okay, man, you're healthy. And I was like, really? <laughs> Is this is this is it? This is healthy, you know? Like, yeah, you only, yeah, you know, your migraine's almost gone. You only have one migraine a month. You know, you're only like, you're only still like 15 kilos overweight. And I only smoke three cigarettes a day. And I was like, really, is this healthy? No, this can't be it. And then I started searching, and all of the stuff that I'd learned, all of the science stuff, the mental stuff, the physiology, the music, you know, the, the esoteric practices. I studied everything, and I walked in. Um, well. I, like actually how I found Wim was by chance because I had these these classes in my in my school where I would go okay guys let's get in let's get inspired and I like take the projector put YouTube on and I would say like okay guys show me something cool and they would go okay type in people are awesome okay and I type in most amazing this or like ugliest fish or most amazing human and it came to this superhuman thing where they went uh like this is the Iceman, 22 world records, and blah, 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 Wim Hof. And I was like, Wim Hof? That's a Dutch name. So I Google him. Like, that was actually years before. And then when I was like, let's figure out what real health actually is, like optimal health. And then I remembered this superhuman thing. And I was like, hey, that Wim Hof guy, I got to Google him. And I Googled him. And it turns out he lives like 30 minutes from my house. And I signed up for a workshop, which my wife got me for my birthday. It was, I think, two and a half years ago, something like that. And I walked into the workshop, and here's this this really weird guy, basically for me at that point. But he's so inspiring, and he's 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 saying things that I've been like feeling and thinking, and all of the stuff that I that I've been learning about just clicked together, and it all came together. The only thing that was missing for me was a proper breath practice, because I'd done the nutrition and the movement and the meditation. It was pretty on point, but like a deep breathwork practice, and um, working with extreme external stimuli. So the ice is an extreme external stimulus. Uh, if you want the body to be strong, you need to do difficult things like lift heavy weights and sit in buckets of ice. That's basically, well, if you're a modern human, at least, like if you're, if you're a hunter-gatherer, the way people were supposed to live, then you're fine because life is hard enough. But um, that was just, it's amazing to me how I can have like one hour with somebody who's in big, um, mental distress, deep physical distress, whatever, like inflammation, or some kind of super athlete, I have an hour with them, and I, I look at their breath, I coach them, I teach them a few tricks, I teach them the Wim Hof breathing, and no matter where they are in the spectrum of health, they just go, poof, and they jump up one level, and it's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I have this exact same story about how I found Wim, too. I was I had a little class, we were just doing some stuff, I was looking for someone inspiring, I put pretty much the exact same thing into YouTube and this guy comes up and we show her like, who is this guy? Awesome. And, and then he just kept popping up in my life. You know, I just saw him at the Bulletproof and then I just, you know, I got to contact these guys. And uh, so because of that YouTube search, that's how I found you too as well. So I guess uh, YouTube, very powerful yes. connecting tool. Uh, okay. So before we go, I just want to ask uh, one more question. Um, you know, this is a little bit more on the um, mystical side, I guess we'll, we'll say. Um, you know, with the breathing, you know, um, as people know who are listening, I'm working on a documentary on psychedelics. And as part of that, we're, we're looking at other ways to reach altered states of consciousness. Um, and I know breathing from just doing a lot of research, talking to people, is a way to really get to some 
interesting places. Um, so I know you've done a lot of breathing. Is there any experiences you've had where you feel like you might have been out of body or have been shown something or had a spiritual experience through the breath work? Yeah, I had a few of them. And I had experiences with, with psychedelics when I was younger, but it was recreational. And what I've learned is that in the same way, like I, I don't think recreational use of any psychedelics is a good idea, personally. I think it has a very profound place in therapies or in, in uh, you know, guiding you on your path or have like therapeutic effects, healing effects. Um, so to me, but I didn't have that in my in my frame of mind yet. And the first time I did that type of breathing, uh, Wim Hof showed me, I was just like, a lot of this is very familiar. When you say that type something. of breathing, it's different than the actual it, it, method. It's a more intentional. Yeah, like it's an intentional yeah, it's like type the, of breathing. The advanced, breathing. advanced breathing. Yeah, the advanced breathing in the in the Wim Hof method, where you basically learn how to trigger your brain into releasing all kinds of cool chem chemicals. Um, dopamine, endorphin is very clear. Very highly likely DMT. At least people have the similar experience. And that's the first time that I had a psychedelic experience. Well, it wasn't even psychedelic because I noticed if you take something exogenous, then you ha something happens to you. And I was like, I'm doing it. I'm carrying myself into altered states. And I've had a few experiences. The first time was just where I, I felt so present in my body that I couldn't even, I was like, what? Um, and this deep understanding of that duality would disappear. So my my body wouldn't end at the end of my skin, but I had a deep, and I'd read about this in Zen books a lot, but I had this very deep experience of being one with everything. And that always sounded kind of woo-woo to me, and then I had, and I was like, oh, yep, they were right. <laughs> uh, so that was kind of the first time I really dove into it. And I did a lot of practice, but I had a few very deep ones. Then another one was where I just had lights a, a big light show going at an amazing rate and i'm learning more and more about how the lights that you see when you close your eyes even in a psychedelic experience is something like a manifestation of seeing your brain activity which is interesting and um so that was very deep and i had a, like a light that was just growing and growing and growing and i felt like i could leap into something and then i got kind of spooked and i was like hold on this is getting really weird <laughs> you know where's the science and i read into everything and then i found i started reading and finding out about all these different cultures because I, I always link everything to the primal origins of human mm -hmm. life and you find out that actually um every human tribe and every human civilization uh, historically, at least documented as far as I know, would have a spiritual practice that has some kind of um, uh, altered state in there, either through taking any kind of mushrooms or roots or plants or through um, a practice that like shamanistic breathing or drumming and all of these things. Dancing. So dancing and yeah, definitely. And it's it's actually a very natural thing, but we just, well, I don't want to get deep into that discussion, but obviously in, in today's society, man, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, but the powers that be are not helped by raised consciousness. And that sounds way too conspiracy theorist, Illuminati kind of talking, but I mean, like, if everybody would have a free spirit of mind and would be, be um, taught to have one, the school system would stop working, like, and factories would stop working. So it's just that, that's just how it is. If everybody would be a free spirit, 
there, yeah, it, it lost its function in Western Western society because everybody just you know go go farm and produce and do that. You know, um, anyway, so I started realizing that actually this breath practice could have a very deep and profound effect on my modern life if I would integrate it in a way that is actually um, guided and directed by me, by understanding what I'm doing. And I would never advise anyone to take any substances that just alter your mind without you knowing exactly what you're doing. Um, and I found a way to, to, to do it, to find this practice into my life. And then I had one experience in Poland when I was there with Wim Hof and we had like, the, the room was completely dark. Everything was blacked out, but I could open my eyes. And this is actually, another way to get to that altered state, to release DMT in the brain, to have sensory deprivation. So I had the sensory deprivation, and also uh, I had Wim sitting next to me playing his guitar and, and singing like, he has, this guy has got a lot of tricks up his sleeve, man. He's got <laughs> these voice techniques and everything, and there was a big reverb in the hall. So that's also sensory deprivation for your ears, actually. So it was in this kind of like cocoon, and I was breathing and breathing and breathing. And because I had, read so much about and, and and gained a deeper understanding of how this works and not about tripping balls on doing drugs but about really having a practice that allows you to find uh deeper states of consciousness and that's also going to sound woo woo but it's perfectly explicable if you understand how brain mechanics works we don't have time to go into it but trust me listener i know my shit <laughs> and uh, so I, I i felt like it was something that i would uh, like I didn't have the fear anymore because I understood that it would have a deeper place um, in my development as a human. And it just popped out of my body, which was very interesting. Uh, and I had visions and I was like, uh, I was in the, in the woods in, in Canada, which I'd only been once in my life. And I had uh, different uh, like experiences of that I felt connected to animals or I had visions of being like a bird flying and like, like just snapped like that. And, um, and then I, I snapped back into reality and I was like, whoa, that's really interesting. And then afterwards I started to discover, uh, a lot of meaning in those things, which is either my brain, my skeptical mind is telling me that I had a weird experience. I was just tripping balls. And then afterwards I started giving meaning to it because that's human psychology. That's one way of looking at it. And the other way of looking at it is that it was, it was actually a profound experience. Mm -hmm. And um, what that gave me is a tool to dive deep into emotional systems in my brain and in my body without having the um, conscious mind, the one that was fucking me up way in, like in the origin story I just told, to kind of turn that one off and to really be with the deeper parts of my consciousness and to really work in that area. Um, and that has given me a lot of freedom from older traumas, uh, mm. stuff that I couldn't do emotionally, like a lot of men. And the reason I tell these stories is because I see the application. I meet so many men who can't cry. And I was one of them for a long time. The reason I burned out is because I couldn't feel my emotions. We've been taught out of actually feeling what we feel. And after a few of those breath practices, I noticed that the emotional parts in me were opening up and I just keep learning and learning from these experiences, even though I, I don't go sit and hyperventilate until I, I trip <laughs> every month, not even every, well, maybe every month probably, but um, not that deeply. And I'm still, still learning from those experiences. And I feel that it's an important 
question to ask, that's why I think the documentary you're talking about is an important thing. It's important to start asking that question of what did we lose when we started getting domesticated as humans in Western life? Obviously, obviously we lost a lot of health because like <laughs> the Western world has luxury and we have like houses and buildings and cars, but we also have like all kinds of mental and physical illnesses that never used to exist, you know, burnouts and depressions and addictions. And we're, mm -hmm. we have like, we have the most luxury, the most comfort ever and the most addiction, depression, obesity, and all of that ever. Well, in recorded history at least. So, um, yeah, I feel that it's important to take a very uh, inquisitive, and curious approach to reintroducing practices like that into modern life in order to reconnect with something that we've obviously lost a long time ago. Yeah, I can't, I can't agree with you more. I, I, I absolutely agree with that. And um, I'm, I'm just reconnecting myself, you know, these practices, the breathing, you know, I'm, I've been working with some of the native traditions here doing sweat lodges, you know, which again, is sensory deprivation, totally dark with a lot of heat and steam and you're sort of almost forced to go uh, within and you have these crazy experiences. So uh, I agree with you 100%. And I think more people need to experience and explore that and they'll feel uh, almost like a reconnection to their true self or to something, um, which could be everything, right? Like you said, you felt this connection to all yeah. and you have this greater sense of belonging. Um, and I think a lot of people um, that feel anxiety, stress, or out of place, they feel this massive sense of, I don't belong here. There's something, yeah. that I don't fit in this world, you know, um, where it's just that, it's not that they don't fit, somewhere along the line they've been cut off. Maybe it's their, their way they eat, maybe it's the things they do, they've just had this disconnection, maybe they had some traumatic experiences. But the good news is, is that there's ways to reconnect, you know, and there's ways to come back, um, you know, and you're a great example. And uh, like some of the other guests we have on the show, we have a lot of different stories of people who've been through these similar dark periods of their life and then go back and say, that was the most important or that's where I learned the yeah. most or that's where I was shown that there is something there. I just ha had to find it. You know, I was pushed, something pushed me to find it within myself, how to get out of this feeling. So, yeah, I think one, there's one last thing I'll say about it is that we have been taught to believe that there is a life without struggle and pain and difficulty. It's a very marketable idea. And you can only get somebody to work a shit job for 40 years if you can get him to believe that he'll actually have his perfect life afterwards, afterwards yeah. and have enough time and health to actually, uh, to actually live that perfect life. And the idea of a, a struggle-free life is an illusion. And... You're supposed to have the hard times. It's, but you know, as long as you have them, pick one that you're passionate about. Pick a struggle that you love. You know, if if your life doesn't have enough struggle and it makes you weak, like marathon running is people picking this a struggle that they love. Sitting in ice bath is picking the struggle that you love, but making about something, uh, seeing how you advance while you do it. So as soon as I understood one, I can take full resp responsibility of my life, and second. I'm supposed to struggle because that's how I grow. And then it was bigger than me because I could help these kids. That's when it all clicked. Right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's an, an important few ways. And that was reconnection because I'd always been, I, I, I'd always been socially very awkward. <laughs> and you see me in front of a group, like right now speaking to people is my job. Yeah. And I excel at it. And it used to be like this horrible thing. I had like an anxiety. I couldn't even get out of my house, you know? And, um, 
so I think it's very important to reconnect and also to tell these stories because somebody needs to stand up and go, you know what? I think I kind of suck at life. And if you look at my Instagram, it all looks like awesome adventures, but also I'm very honest about being scared and uncomfortable. I don't know how to do life. And I always thought I was the only one, but some people have to stand up and go, you know, I, I had some pretty bad stuff going on in my life and I yeah. think I figured some things out, but I'm still kind of scary. I still don't know anything. Let's all be honest. Let's all be human yeah. and just find ways to feel human yeah. which is what we're supposed to feel and, like and now. not be afraid to step out of your comfort zone a little bit like just take that step you know to to see what it what it's like on the other side like jumping in front of that class and saying okay you know i guess i'm at that point where it's time yeah. to just try it a little bit and see what happens and most of the time you'll realize what you're afraid of is not that bad as you thought yeah. it was going to be right absolutely um, so yeah, I want to thank you so much, Casper. Uh, it was a great conversation. Um, if people want to get in touch with you or want to find out more about your book, where where can they go? What what's uh, you have a website? Uh, your book? What's it called? T- tell me where people can find you. Yeah, so my, my book is called Mind Lift. Uh, Subtitle is Mental Fitness for the Modern Mind. It's like a practical guide of getting your mind in check in this crazy, screamy modern world. And it's on mindlift.com. And if you want to find me on social media. I, I, by the way, I want to say, I say this at the end of all of my interviews and, um, I love it when people get in touch with me. If there's anything I said that resonated with you, find me. I'm at Casper's focus, K A S P E R F O F O C U S uh, on Instagram and on Twitter, uh, on Facebook, you can find me just by typing in my name or typing in MindLift. If there's anything I said that resonated with you, if you're in a part of your life where you're like, that's the stuff I got to hear, then please let me know. Cause I, I want to. I want to get the interaction. Um, so mindlift.com, Casper uh, van der Meulen, Casper van der Meulen on English.com, uh, and you can find me. I'm pretty easy to find. I'm not hiding. Or email me, and I'll, I'll put you right in contact with Casper yeah, if you can't find and him. And also, check out wimhoffmethod.com, and, and uh, I will be doing some touring internationally next year. I have some cool courses, and there's like the online courses there. It's it's a it's a game changer. It's a life changer, and I, I'm pretty sure that you guys have a link that people can click in the show notes where they can go yeah, right yeah. to the. We'll have all that. I'll get that from you after this conversation. Um, awesome. So perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much again, and uh, hopefully we'll see you soon um, when you come to back to North America, or maybe we'll we'll head out head to Europe this summer and try to connect with you guys in Amsterdam. Please do, man. Yeah. Up. Awesome. Absolutely. Okay, brother. We'll talk soon, man. Thank you. Thanks. Welcome back. Um, as always, so much great information from Casper. Um, he's an awesome guy, and, he, and he's he's getting a lot of attention because he does um, he speaks from the heart and he shares openly all the stuff that he's learned, and uh, he's really making a difference in people's lives. So people are catching his vibe, they're feeling him, and um, you know he's blowing up. So I wish him all the best, um, things to come in the future, and uh, keep up the great work, brother. And if you want to connect, mindlift.com, m-i-n-d-l-i-f-t.com. Or you can connect with me, G at thewaywithin.me. Check us out, www.thewaywithin.me. Have an awesome day, guys, and um, see you soon. Peace.